Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. with another episode of Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. It's just me today. Uh, We are going through our potential draft picks for that number nine pick. And obviously, there's uh, many ways we can go. I think most Bears fans can kind of agree that they want to really address that offensive line position and or a defensive line position. The trenches need to be built up big time and not many moves were made. And by not many moves were made, a total of two moves were made um, on the defensive line and the offensive line when it comes to the Bears and free agency so far. These episodes were and interviews were pre-recorded and kind of scheduled out. So if things happen between time, that just means that obviously news dropped after I have recorded this. But uh, today we are going to shoot over to Clemson. And when we look at Clemson, obviously you think of the last few years with Dabo and Trevor before he got drafted and Travis Etienne. And you there's definitely pieces on that defense that are impressive. And there's definitely uh, weapons on the offense that's impressive. Um, both guys that we're going to be talking about today are on the defensive line. Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee. Uh, you probably know both of their names at some point. And so it's going to be interesting uh, to kind of look into these guys because they're names you know. They're names that even coming out of high school into college, you were expecting them to really uh, shine. And maybe they didn't quite shine the way they were expected to. Uh, Brian Brzee obviously has... Uh, a, a really sad story, honestly, through college losing his sister. Uh, and so that kind of affected his career, his college career, in addition to an ACL. So obviously there, there's some things to directly point to of why maybe Brian Brzee's numbers aren't exactly what people would have expected when he was coming into Clemson. But uh, Miles Murphy, uh, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit because to me, when you look at his numbers from the outside, um, they're pretty good. You you see a lot of things that you like. You see some things that could improve, and you see some numbers that maybe you want more of. But there's not a there's not a, a anything that you completely hate. But there's not anything where you're like, man, I, we got to have this guy, or we're going to be missing out big time. Uh, so we're going to talk to Matt Connolly. Matt Connolly covers Clemson. He's the beat writer for ClemsonSports.com on on three sports, and he is not a Clemson fan. So I like this interview because he's very honest about these two guys, and you can tell he doesn't have that that Homer in him of rooting for him and wanting to you know just kind of push their guy through, which I completely get doing when you cover a guy and you work closely with the guy and you really learn about these players sometimes it's hard to separate that from if they're worth this number nine pick and that's what this this podcast series is all about is finding out which one of these guys is worth that number nine pick so let's go ahead and jump to this interview with Matt Connolly and that way we can learn a little bit more about Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee. 
All right, now we're joined by Matt Connolly. He's the Clemson beat writer for ClemsonSports.com on On3Sports. So, Matt, I just wanted to say thank you for joining me. Um, obviously, things are very crazy for everybody right now, and especially you. Um, I want to be able to – we can knock out a couple names with you. So that's beneficial when we are looking at who the Bears could potentially pick at nine. Um, and obviously the Bears fans aren't too happy right now that Ryan Poles didn't address the defensive line because the defensive line was a major weakness on the Chicago Bears last season. They had the least pressures in the league. They had the least sacks in the league. It was just uh, almost non-existent, and it really kind of hurt the linebackers and the secondary too because there was just nothing up front. So they, a lot of Bears fans really want to address this, and that works because you have a, a defensive end, Miles Murphy, coming out of Clemson. You also have a defensive tackle. Brian Brzee coming out of Clem- out of Clemson. So both of those are potential names that Bears fans and Bears media, Bears scouts, whatever, may potentially be looking at. So that's why I'm here to talk to you. Let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about Miles Murphy to start. A five-star prospect coming out of Georgia. Um, I read that at 14 years old, he was already able to bench 275 pounds, and he showed up to Clemson 6'5", 260. And so to me, pretty much ready to go, ready to play college football. So let's talk a little bit about those pure numbers his freshman year. Um, also... I think to remind people that 2020 freshman year, it was COVID year. So things were all out of whack. And so for players to really produce that season coming into college is even even more fantastic than what it looks like on paper. But 37 tackles, 10 and a half for loss, four sacks, three forced fumbles. So talk to us a little bit about what Miles Murphy was able to do right out of the gates. Yeah, I mean, he, he was the guy that Clemson fans were really excited about. You know, you mentioned um, – the Bears need to pass rusher. I think Clemson, too, kind of thought immediately with him coming in that, that he was a guy that could come in and, and help right away, and that's what he did. Um, you know, as you mentioned, his freshman season, he, he really was productive early on. So, yeah, he was a guy that arrived with high expectations. You know, he was the top five overall prospect some places. Um, you know, a guy that they they were excited to get out of the Atlanta area, and, and he came in and immediately lived up to expectations. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Dabo talks a lot about guys showing up ready to go. Just kind of you take them out of the box and they're ready to to immediately contribute. And that's uh that's the kind of player he was. So when you're talking about Miles Murphy, obviously you said he was ready to go pretty much right away and to start for Clemson and college football. And from what you've seen and from what you've heard from Dabo and what from you heard what you've heard from Miles Murphy, do you think he would be able to make that quick start in the NFL also? Well, if he gets drafted there, um, they're definitely going to want him to, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he he's a guy that physically, you know, he's just super impressive. I mean, he's big, strong, fast, physical. Um, you know, I think he has everything you're looking for as far as just a side and speed off the edge and a defensive end. Um, you know, he, he it was interesting. He wasn't necessarily as productive as I think people kind of hoped he would would be and thought he would be um you know there were times he didn't finish plays always where he would kind of get in the backfield but wouldn't get the guy down um so I think that that's something he's talked a lot about is trying to do that now at the next level and get better at that and you know obviously these guys spend a lot of time in between the end of the season and the combine and and the whole draft process just kind of working on their bodies, getting better, uh, you know, training, working out, all that kind of stuff. And he's been doing a ton of that. And I think I thought he had a, a good pro day. Uh, well, he, he, he talked well at the pro day. Um, he had the <laughs> private uh, – yeah, he, he didn't work out. But I thought, you know, he, he what he said at the pro day I liked as far as just 
explaining kind of why he opted out of the Orange Bowl and just his whole thought process. So his interviews, I thought, were, were really good and impressed me. Um, I think he spoke well. Uh, I think he probably interviewed well with different teams and um, the Bears being one of those that I'm sure he's talked to. So no, I thought that was impressive. And then he has a private workout coming up uh, next month where he'll be fully healthy and kind of show what he can do on the field. Uh, but he's definitely a guy that, that is explosive and kind of what you're looking for in a pass rusher. Like I said, maybe didn't have the productivity, though, that, that I think Clemson fans kind of hoped for and mm-hmm. that, that, honestly, I think he probably hoped for at times. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, you like to hear the interview side, and I know maybe as like an, an average fan, you don't care as much about the interviews. But when you are really wanting to figure out if you're wanting to draft a, a player, especially that high, that's a lot of commitment. So you you are look, making sure that you're getting a guy that has you know is able to learn your scheme and play your scheme and understand, and you like his personality and you think he'll mesh with the other players. I think that is really yeah, important. He- and not to interrupt you, but I'll just say he's a very, very smart, like, uh, young man, individual. Uh, I mean, he was a guy that, you know, coming out of high school was super smart. I think uh, he, he was in, um, like, advanced AP-type classes and all that kind of stuff. And, and academics is very important to him. Um, and then, you know, yeah, I mean, he, he's just impressed um, academic-wise, football smarts, everything uh, that you would kind of look for in, in terms of that aspect. So, Definitely um, think that that he would come in and, yeah, he's definitely what you're looking for in the locker room. You know, I think people kind of question him opting out of the Orange Bowl, and Mm -hmm. and he spoke about that at length um, earlier this week and kind of said that it was a decision that was really, really hard for him. Uh, It sounded like maybe his his family and maybe some people on his team kind of spoke to him and and maybe got in his ear a little bit and said, you know, there's a lot of money at stake and maybe be careful and – are you sure you want to play in this game? And so he ended up opting out, but said it was really hard watching his brothers and teammates and not being out there yeah. um, with them. And so, yeah, you know, I think as, as far as off the field stuff, you know, you don't have any issues or anything like that to worry about. Just he's a really smart, bright uh, young man who I think will have a, a really good career in the NFL. Which that's what we like to hear, obviously, sticking with that personality side a little bit. So he went to Hillgrove High School, and that produced other guys that people may know the names of, and Bradley Chubb, Kenyon Drake, Evan Ingram. So I've seen a lot of interviews talking about how those guys you know, went back to the high school and would talk to the players, and they all kind of stay linked because they went to that same high school together and have kind of a little bit of camaraderie with that. So do you think that having people like that can prepare you a little better for the student-athlete life in college and then also the NFL? Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, I think those are guys that he kind of talked to uh, through the recruiting process, talked to kind of getting ready for the, the NFL process. Um, and then guys at Clemson as well. You know, Clemson's produced a lot of really good defensive linemen, um, and those guys are kind of tight and, and a pretty close-knit family. So, yeah, he's had a lot of role models to kind of look up to and, and try to see, you know, okay, this is how you act as a professional. This is how you – go through the draft process, and then once you get into the league, this is kind of how things change and how things are different. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's certainly been beneficial for him. So now a little back onto the football field. So over his three-year career, he had six forced fumbles and five pass breakups. So it seems to me, and like you said, you guys believe this was even kind of under what you thought he would actually be able to do. And to me, when you see these numbers, it seems like a strength of his could really be finding that ball and getting to it, which is super important when it comes to edge guys. So would you consider that one of his strengths? Yeah, I mean, pass rushing, coming off the edge and getting to the quarterback and knocking the ball out is definitely a strength. Um, And he talked this earlier this week, too, about 
you, know, you saw a lot of different uh, looks from offensive lines, from offenses, whether it be the running back uh, kind of chipping them as he's trying to come off the edge or the tight end staying in the block and, and double team. Uh, you know, I think this past year, Clemson's defensive line was good, but a defensive end, they dealt with a lot of injuries. And, and so, you know, he was the guy that was getting a lot of the attention and a lot of the focus. So, you know, I think he had six and a half sacks this year, um, which, you know, not a bad number, not necessarily, you know, a dominant number that maybe you would think for a top five to top ten pick. Uh, but, but definitely some of that was because offensive lines were paying so much attention to him and mm-hmm. focusing in on him and trying to keep him from being disruptive. I mean, he's a he's a very disruptive player. Um, he's very, very quick off the edge. He has a really good first step and, and burst coming off the outside. So definitely uh, definitely his strength is pass rushing and getting to the quarterback. I like that because, um, Matt, I don't know how much you know about the Chicago Bears, but our, our sack numbers, as I mentioned earlier, fewest in the league, are leading – our leading sack getter last season was Jaquan Brisker, our rookie safety. Um, So I'm not quite sure. That six and a half looks good to me because he had four. That's normally not what you look for. (laughs) Normally don't want your safety being the leading sack person. (laughs) Yeah, not it. So one more um, on Miles Murphy before we move on to Brian Brzee. So when I look at his scouting port, I don't really see a ton of weaknesses. The list isn't very long. Um, you mentioned the kind of finishing aspect on it. And one of the other things I, I saw is that he needs to kind of more, he needs a better plan of attack sometimes when it comes to beating tackles, when it comes to like the rush angles and all of those sorts of things. Do you think those type of things are coachable for him at the next level? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think as far as weaknesses, you know, one would just be, I, I wouldn't say lazy. I don't think he's a lazy player. Like I, I wouldn't say necessarily laziness, but there were times when the staff um, got, I think, frustrated that maybe he didn't play up to his potential, didn't live up to his expectations and what he's capable of doing. I mean, you know, if you look at his numbers last year, uh, there were a few games that that he didn't start. And, you know, when you're talking about a guy that's um, that talented, I think he he played in 13 games but but only made 11 starts. So when you're talking about a player that's that talented that – they're having coming off the bench, you know, I think that was in some ways to kind of send a message like, Hey, you know, you're, you're really good. You're really talented, but you've got to show up every day and put in the work and, and practice and then um, games and preparation and meeting rooms and everything. So, you know, I, I do think, um, like I said, I, I do think he's very talented. I do think that uh, his game translates very well to the next level, but I, there was definitely some frustration, I think at times with maybe not playing up to his potential and, and the way he could, and maybe, not always given um, 100% effort the way that, that they would like to see. Now, with that said, you know, I also already spoke about his character and some of mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And I feel like there's no no real issues there. And I think that was more of just maybe a motivational, like, hey, you're better than this. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe watch a few plays and maybe this will motivate you to go out and perform well. Um, so you know, I do think he's he's a very, very good player, has a very high ceiling. Uh, he's, he's still really young. I mean, he's coming out of his third year. So still a young player, I think, will continue to get better and better and has a chance to be to be dominant as his uh, NFL career goes along. All right, now let's uh, move on to Brian Brzee a little bit. Obviously, there's some really heavy stuff uh, surrounding Brian Brzee's story, which we'll get to in a little bit. But he was another guy that was just able to come in as a freshman and really solidify his spot on the roster almost immediately. 23 tackles, 6.5 for loss, 4 sacks, 2 pass breakups, and a forced fumble. Um, was it pretty immediate that you could tell that he was going to be a stud on the defensive line? 
Yeah, he's just so big and strong and, and powerful. You know, you don't see players come in as freshmen the way he is. I mean, he immediately stood out on the defensive line at defensive tackle. It's just a guy going through the drills, you know, the way he's pushing the sled, um, the, his speed, his power that he moves with. You could you could really see from his freshman year that, that he was a special player and a special talent. Now, unfortunately, an injury in 2021, um, he tore his ACL that year, and so I think he only played four games. So we're seeing guys come back from these ACL injuries so quickly now that sometimes it's honestly a little scary because you're like, well, he just tore his ACL like nine months ago, and now he's back out on the field. Um, But then others have lingering issues or ones that come back and there, you know, there's, there's some problems. Did you guys notice anything from Brian after when he returned from injury that indicated any loss of strength or slowdown or anything in that realm? No, the only thing I would say is just you could kind of tell like from going through the rehab and, and that kind of process that he wasn't in the best shape starting off his sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, his, his junior year and kind of in that off season and stuff. And I think that's completely understandable. Um, when you have a, a bigger body, a guy that's not able to go out and run and, and do some of the things that you would obviously like to do as a player. So, you know, I think it took him a little bit of time to get back in shape and kind of um, be that dominant guy that that he was as a sophomore. Uh, but yeah, I mean, once he got going, he was he was really really good. Um, obviously, you know, I'm sure you'll get into it, but but had some tough situations going on for him on and off the field. Uh, but yeah, when he was able to to uh, really kind of get going and get his wind back under him, he was a really really dominant force when he was out there. Yeah, which obviously the that main story is the family tragedy. He lost his younger sister. Uh, which was incredibly, incredibly sad. I remember watching the, I think it was on college game day and watching that story when they first released it. And I I just can't personally imagine. And so Brian missed the Louisiana Tech game uh, to be with his family during that time, obvious reasons. Um, Do you think he used, or did you notice him using that loss as motivation? Um, Because sometimes, you know, there's two different paths you could take when something like that happens, when you lose someone so close to you and so suddenly. So um, it's not an easy thing to deal with on a normal day, let alone when you're having to go out and play football games. How did Brian, you know, kind of retaliate from that? Yeah, I don't know if I would say motivation. It's kind of, I don't know how exactly I would say that he used it necessarily. I think it was just something that, that was kind of hard for him to get through. Um, you know, I do think football helped him. I mean, I think, you know, getting away um, from everything and kind of strapping on a helmet and going playing football for a little bit and kind of getting his mind off of, of everything that was happening um, did help him. But it was it was a hard situation for him. It was a hard situation for the entire team. You know, Ella, uh, his sister, is someone who was really close with other defensive linemen. She was close with Nick Easton, the defensive tackles coach, Dabo Sweeney. Um, I mean, they – they were all very, very close, and so it was something that hit him hard. I think it hit an entire team hard, and um, yeah, it was just a really difficult situation for him um, to try to try to work through and play through. You know that, that I mentioned earlier, um, kind of being a little bit out of shape at times coming back from the ACL. Well, then he also, you know, during the middle of the season, spent some time, you know, over a week not practicing, and, and so uh, physically, I think it was kind of hard for him going back out there some too, but. Yeah, just a just a tragic situation, something that was very difficult for him and, and for the entire Clemson program. Yeah, and honestly, like I said, I cannot even imagine going through something like that and especially having to go out and be a student and be a college football player and be, you know, a leader as much as you can on that team. But luckily, from what I've seen, he's the teammates and 
obviously Dabo really rallied around him and helped him as much as possible. So at least he was able to have kind of like that family outside of family also. Um, so when you're when you're talking about him as a football player on the field, it's easy to talk about, you know, the pass rush from the edge rushers. And that's such an important thing when it comes to the NFL nowadays. And it's even starting to even out the level of what's important between a right tackle and left tackle because there's guys coming from you on every side now that are just as good as the other side. Um, but I think some people maybe under-evaluate the importance of having that interior guy who can just take up some space and also get to the quarterback without getting caught up in the middle. Um, if It may be just as, if not important sometimes. So do you believe this is something Brzee can do at the next level? And how important do you actually think that interior pass rush can be? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think he's a guy that kind of can reset the pocket. Um, and, and I think you made some good points. Like, obviously, you know, coming off the edge is great. But if you have a guy that is taking up space in the middle, is pushing the, the center and the guard back and um, kind of getting in the quarterback's lap. And, and so, you know, he can't step up. He's having to scramble from the pocket. And then it makes it easier on the guys on the outside to to be able to finish off the sacks. Um, I think that's very valuable. So, yeah, he he was definitely a guy that, took up space in the middle, but also kind of reset uh, the line of scrimmage at times. And, you know, it was very good against the run. He's, he's a guy that's dominant, I would say, against the run and kind of taking up space there, but also really, really quick, um, powerful, and, and has good moves to get after the quarterback and get inside too. So, you know, I think he was a guy that was inconsistent probably this past year on, on film. If you kind of watch his film, there were times where, um, he wasn't as dominant as you would like to see, uh, but towards the end of the year, I think he really started getting better and better and, and um, really kind of got his body back where it needed to be and really played well late in the year. So, yeah, I think he's a guy that his best football is still in front of him. I don't, I don't think Clemson fans necessarily saw all that he's capable of um, during his career, but I think that, that uh, at the next level he's going to be really, really special. He's, he's definitely a guy that you want to root for. I want to take you back for a minute, just a couple more for you, Matt, before I let you go. I want to take you back for a minute. Um, obviously, that 2020 season led Clemson to the Sugar Bowl against Ohio State, and now Bears quarterback Justin Fields. Uh, Fields obviously battled that game. He, was going, he got injured and kind of pushed through it, ended up winning. Um, but both Brian Brzee and Miles Murphy had pretty good games during that but I think Brzee had five tackles, two and a half for loss, and a sack that that game. I don't know Miles Murphy's exact numbers, but uh, what were the emotions after the loss for each of those guys? Because obviously when you're putting 100% effort and battling um, into something like that and after a season that 2020 was in general, uh, you you could go you could go a couple ways with that. So what were the reactions after that game, after the loss, and you know how did they battle back the next season? Yeah, I don't remember those two in particular, but I, I know for the entire Clemson team, it was just disappointment, saddened, shocked. You know, they had they had beaten Ohio State the previous year, um, and so I think that you know for Clemson for a while, it was just kind of the the thinking around here was, you know, you go through the ACC, win it, you go to the playoff, um, either reach the national championship game, win the national title, um, whatever it may be, and, and then kind of that's just that's just the pattern that was happening for a while. Um, and so, you know, Ohio State really put it on him pretty well. I mean, Fields had an incredible game. Uh, he lit up the Clemson secondary that had some pretty good players in it. Um, and Fields was great that game. And I think that was kind of a game that Ohio State had been pointing to for a year mm -hmm. just after Clemson had kind of beaten them the previous year and um, maybe got some breaks and, and kind of 
Um, or at least in Ohio State's mind, definitely had some breaks and felt like some calls went Clemson's way. And, and I think Ohio State felt like it was a better team. And so they came into that game, I think, out to prove a point. Um, and, and they did. You know, Fields, that game really sold me on him as an NFL quarterback and a guy that was uh, ready to go have a really good NFL career. And obviously he said he's, you know, had his up and down and some struggles at times, but I think he's kind of showing really last year what he's capable of. And so, yeah, I think uh, – Definitely, you know, I think that was a huge game for, for Fields and a tough game for, for Clemson um, and Brzee and Murphy. Even even though, like you said, they played pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, but, but didn't kind of get the team result that they were hoping to. Yeah, I, personally, obviously, you being here, so I cover the Bears for this podcast, but I also work for the flagship of Jacksonville. So both that season was just wild for me because both teams were needed a quarterback. Both teams were trying to figure out when the Jets ended up winning and the Jags found out they were getting that number one overall pick. I was like, holy crap, I'm going to end up getting to cover Trevor Lawrence. Like, that's really cool. I'm super excited about that. And then when on draft day and the Bears trade up and Justin get Justin Fields, I was like, holy crap, I get to talk about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields for the, <laughs> for the next years to come. This is great. Which, speaking of, one more before we let you go, because obviously Trevor Lawrence here in Jacksonville, are there Clemson? Are all the Clemson fans cheering for the Jaguars now? Oh, 100 like, <laughs> percent. And I'm not a Clemson fan. I mean, I just cover the team, but I, you know, I'm cheering for the Jaguars too. I mean, Trevor is probably the favorite, my favorite player I've ever covered. Just he was great with the media. Um, you know, great, great to talk with. He was honest. Um, you know, you get so many quarterbacks. I think that are kind of just give you coach speak and aren't going to really help you or, or give you any info or anything during interviews. And he wasn't like that. You know, he was, he was great to talk with uh, throughout his career, handled a lot of different tough subjects on and off the field um, with with class and, and did a great job with that. So, yeah, definitely him, Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, how he is in Jacksonville, but he was hilarious here. and Also a median fan favorite. So, yeah, I think that's definitely uh, – the uh, the team that Clemson fans have adopted. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, some of them are still Panthers fans because mm-hmm. it's a pretty close team to the area. But but definitely everyone's rooting for for Trevor, Travis and uh, Trevor around here. Yeah, if it was up to Jags fans, they would already have Trevor and Travis statues somewhere in the city. Um, that's how much they already love these guys. But it's funny too, Matt, because I'm a Notre Dame fan, and so I went to the Notre Dame South Carolina the Gator Bowl game, and oh, yeah. and they played a clip because obviously it's at TIAA Bank where the Jags play. So they play right. a short clip of Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, through the season playing for the Jags. South Carolina fans booed so loudly. And then, like, all the Jags fans that were in the stadium were so mad. They're like, don't boo our quarterback. What are you doing? (laughs) I remember um, the first game Trevor played against South Carolina. He threw, like, a long touchdown. I I think it was his freshman year. Um, Anyway, one of the years he threw a a long touchdown and looked to the South Carolina bench and, like, blew him a kiss or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, def- definitely no love lost there, so yeah. that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it took a little bit to get that out of Trevor here in Jacksonville, but we saw it last year. He, There was a certain game, I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head, but he started getting a little, he waved to a few of the players and waved to the fans, and that was the first time that I was like, okay, I see Trevor's getting heated, and this is what I've wanted to see. Um, but yeah, anyways. He's, he's, he's competitive is, is all good out here. Oh, yeah. always necessarily show it um, outwardly. Yeah, and that's how Justin Fields is too. And we, I feel bad for Justin because he just got 
killed last year behind the offensive line and didn't have much help surrounding him. So when you you were watching him, and everybody I've talked to about Justin Fields always said he puts everything on him. Like no matter if he he could rush for three touchdowns and throw for three touchdowns, and at the end if they lose, he's still going to blame himself. And we saw that last year multiple times where I'm like, man, this poor kid is just like getting beat to death and then doing a push-up after he gets sacked and he's still just battling. Um, So it's it's going to be really fun to watch these two in the NFL for the next however many years. Um, But anyways, thank you, Matt, so much for joining me. Uh, I I know you have a a crazy schedule ahead, so I hope you have a good rest of your week. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Um, thanks to Matt Connolly. It, it was uh, a little difficult to get him right when we were about to jump on air. A Clemson basketball guard entered the transfer portal. So obviously when you l- work in the college football world, it really does not stop, especially when you're covering football and basketball and potentially whatever sports that you happen to cover for that particular school. So thanks to Matt for hopping on with me. And again, as I mentioned before this podcast, thanks for the honesty because he – Definitely shared his criticisms of both places and kind of, you know, the a little bit of being upset on certain outcomes of what the expectations were when they were coming to Clemson and how they left Clemson. But he is confident that both of these players can be successful in the NFL. It's just uh, at at this point, it's more of a matter of are they worth that nine? Um, They both sit at the top of most people's draft boards somewhere between one and twenty five. But nine overall is a different story, especially for a team with a lot of gaps and a, a, a team that is really trying to piece things together. It's not going to all happen this year, but if you can nail the ninth pick and also use the advantage of those the extra picks that you've gotten in compensation, uh, it really could take a leap and you can go from three wins to nine, ten wins this season. You just have to do it right. Um, so that's it's going to be really fun this next month or so. Uh, but if you have, like I said, we're doing this mini podcast series. We're talking about a lot of guys. We're talking about, uh, we just did Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee. Obviously, we're doing JSN and Paris Johnson. We're doing Peter Skaronsky. We're doing, um, uh, who am I thinking? Bijan Robinson. We are doing uh, Georgia, Jalen Carter, and uh, Broderick Jones. Um, so, oh. And uh, Lucas Van Ness is another one we are doing a mini podcast series on. So they will all be coming out starting Friday of this weekend and through Tuesday, Wednesday, depending what the scheduling pans out to be. But uh, it'll be really fun to just kind of learn some of these guys. And that way you guys can start to really evaluate and understand the behind the scenes of these guys and decide who you want the Bears to draft at number nine. All right. um, That is another episode of Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl, and we will catch you guys more soon. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>